Right now, we are on the final week in concluding uh, a three-part series on Kingdom Builders. And Kingdom Builders um, has a multi-different focus. And if we can go to that first slide, um, it's, it's all about missions, planting churches, outreach, and projects. This is the way that across our Glad Tidings churches that we support missionaries. We help send them to the field. It's how we plant churches all throughout East Central Indiana and even across the world. In fact, this church was planted through the giving of Kingdom Builders. And it's also how we accomplish the different outreaches. We had an opportunity this past Friday night to... Uh, to take part in an outreach with the local trunk or treat here with this uh, community-wide city one here in Harper City. And it was an absolute blast. We saw something to the tune of close to probably about 1,500 different just kids, not including adults. It was packed. It was an absolute blast interacting with the community and letting them know we're a church that loves this city. Uh, it's also how we accomplish vacation Bible school and then uh, different projects throughout the year. So we're going to conclude that series with a message from Pastor Robbie Bradford here in just a little bit. Um, it's a video that's being shown at all the different campuses um, that centers our attention on what a Kingdom Builders is and why we're doing what we're doing. But while we're in here, our kids are across the hallway, are going through the Bible Engagement Project. And today they're in Matthew chapter 28, and they're learning this, that with Jesus, I can change the world. And so if you are a parent in the room and you've got kids that are in the midst of our kids' ministry, we'd encourage you to just take a picture of the screen. These are some questions that you can engage your kids with on the ride home about what they learned in their class because we want to partner with you to create moments of spiritual formation in your home. Along with that, um, how many of you absolutely love Thanksgiving turkey? How many of you are anti-turkey? Oh. I, there's nothing like a, just a perfectly cooked turkey, in my opinion. But we've got Thanksgiving that's coming just right around the corner, and that's just crazy to say out loud out of your lips. <laughs> so what we have done is we've created a Thanksgiving resource. So parents and grandparents, as you are exiting today at the Welcome Center, we'd encourage you to pick up one of these. Paul, writing to the church in Thessalonica, he says this, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. We want to help create households that the practice of giving thanks is something that is regularly happening because a thankful heart is a grateful heart. And we need to be people who are honestly thankful and grateful for all that God has done. So what we've done is we've created this resource. Um, it's just designed so that you can do it every single day in the month of November to create in your home spiritual formation moments centered around the spiritual practice of giving thanks to God. There's three different um, like different ways that you can engage this resource. So you pick whatever works best for your family, but we would really encourage you to pick that up. Uh, and like I said, just a second, we're going to watch a video uh, sermon from Pastor Robbie Bradford across all of our campuses. Pastor Robbie Bradford, he grew up in Indiana. He's a native Hoosier. He grew up in Indianapolis. He serves currently at River City Church in Lafayette, Indiana as the lead pastor with him and his wife, Tracy. And they have three sons, Jack, Xander, and Noah. He graduated from Evangel University in 1991, and he graduated with a doctorate of ministry and leadership with Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and Logos University in Jackson, Florida. What I love about Pastor Robbie in this video is he really shares from his heart. He's more than just a pastor. He's also a former missionary. 
He's someone who's been on the field. He has served in the Netherlands, in Belgium, and in France. So he knows what it's like to have to be someone who's out on the field specifically um, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ across this world. And so he has a very good challenging message for us today. So if you would um, take a look at the screen and we're going to hear from Pastor Robbie this morning. Well, good morning, Glad Tidings Church. It is such a privilege for me today to be able to share with you and to partner with your pastors, Pastor, jo- Pastor Kyle in Dunkirk, Pastor Josh in Hartford City, Pastor Ty at Muncie North. And I, I just want to say that I-, I know these people and uh, you, are, you are blessed to have these people leading you. It's also special to me today to be able to share with you because my earliest memories in life come from Albany, Indiana. I, I lived there from the time I was two until I was 10. And I have, I have vivid memories of each of your communities. And so I, I am just uh, blown away that today I get to share God's word with you at this mission's emphasis. Well, my favorite New Testament book is 1 John. It's a book that is powerful in its simplicity. It's about love and the relationship that we have to one another in Jesus Christ. And it comes to a, a climax in 1 John 4. And it, it directly relates to our mission's emphasis today. Starting in verse 16, it says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in in Him. That's amazing. And by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Well, John is writing to believe the church in Ephesus. It's the church that he was a part of. The church in Ephesus had become a central congregation for Christianity throughout the Mediterranean world there in the first century. And as he writes to them, he's writing to them concerned because he's challenging some false notions that they had come to believe about God, about Jesus. And he's, he's explaining to them that they're at, the, they're at the start of something great, the church. And he's asking them, in essence, What's going to be our identifying characteristic? What what will we be known for? What legacy are we going to leave the church? And as John challenges them, let's make this our message. Let's, Let's be known for this. Those people, that church, they love God and they love people. You know, John doesn't say, let's be known for our buildings or 
our, our great organizational structure. John says, our legacy will be love. The love of God expressed to us and in turn expressed to each other and then to the whole world. Our legacy will be love. That's how the church started. On a foundation of love. And I wonder, is that how the church is known today? When the church is portrayed in the media, when people who don't know Christ talk about her, do they say, wow, those people sure know how to love. In our quest to fight culture and preserve our values, somehow it seems to me at times we've lost the central message of the gospel, love. That's the legacy that we're supposed to leave. That's what we're supposed to be known for, love. Now, you may like a different kind of music than we sing. You may prefer a different preacher or style of preaching. You may not be impressed with our facilities or programs. But we're not trying to leave a legacy of music or buildings or programs or preaching. The legacy we want to leave, what we want to be known for, is love. And what do I want you to know today? First of all, love changes things. Now you can argue about theology and style, but there's no argument for love. Today, as we focus on missions, I can think of few purer examples of love in the church than missions. The person you see here is Lillian Trasher. I'm thinking about her today because 10 days before her wedding, she broke her engagement with her fiancé, Tom. He was a pastor. And they had both heard a message from a missionary, and she had felt the call so strongly that she was to go to Africa. And so she broke her engagement with Tom because he didn't feel that call. And in 1910, she left for Egypt on a, Egypt on a ship and after serving there for nearly 50 years and taking in over 25,000 orphans, when asked by a journalist shortly before her death if she regretted not marrying Tom, she responded, then who would have rescued my children? Love changes things. Something else that love does, love gives it all. Now, when I was first a pastor, I can remember I was about 24 years old. I met a man named Edwin Zeman. He was near the end of his life. He was about 88 years old when I met him. And he was, he was a memorable person. He had this incredibly engaging personality, a charisma that came through in every conversation I had with him, real joy in living. This man, even though he was 88, he was still ice skating. And I can remember when I met him and I would have conversations with him, I was fascinated to learn about him because he planted the small church where I was serving in Wisconsin before he left for Africa. I was always struck by his joy and energy. And as I learned more of his story, I came to admire him even more. In 1952, he and his wife, Bernice, left with their children for Ghana. 
And he left such an impression on me. I can remember some years later, I was preaching in Belgium. I was a missionary at that time. I was preaching at Continental Theological Seminary in 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 Belgium. And uh, what happened was he, as I talked about the impression that Edwin Zeman had left on me, I I left that chapel service and I went to have lunch. And as I as I was getting my lunch, a student sat down across the way from me, James Kessler. James Kessler, uh, he is he is the person that he was he was a student to me. He's he's still a pastor in Europe, but he had moved to Europe from Ghana. And he sat down across the way from me and he, he looked kind of shocked. And he said, did you say that you knew Edwin Zeman? And I said, well, yes. Yes, I do. I said, do you do you know Edwin Seaman? He said, well, when I was when I was a boy, he said, my my father. He was Edwin Seaman's uh, interpreter. And he he would travel with Edwin into these remote places and preach the gospel and start churches in places where they had never been started. He was a hero to me. He said, when the question came from the Assemblies of God in Ghana, at our general council one year about who would go to Amsterdam to plant a church for people from Ghana because they were getting into trouble with all kinds of with all kinds of deadly things he says i thought to myself that is a huge sacrifice but if edwin zeman was willing to give up what he had to share the gospel in a strange place to people that he didn't really know, he said, I can do the same thing. And that's what's brought me here to this moment. Love gives it all. I'm thinking this morning of a, another man I want to tell you just a little bit more about. His name is J.W. Tucker. And in the late 1940s, an Assemblies of God missionary by the name of J.W. Tucker, he felt God calling him to the Democratic Republic of Congo. J.W. Tucker was from a church in Arkansas. He, he met his wife, Angeline, who was also called to the Congo. They were married in 1941. J.W. and Angeline, they did evangelistic work in bush villages. They worked at a Bible school. They trained workers and established a church in a village now known as Ezero. In August 1964, J.W. and his family, they were leaving to return to the Congo for their fifth four-year term after a year in the States raising support. Several men from his church prayed with J.W. Tucker at the airport, and they begged him not to go because there was an incredible war that had broken out in the Democratic Republic of Congo. It's a war, sadly, that is still going on to this day. And at that time, that country was known as Zaire. It was a dangerous place. Rebels were leading what was known as the Simba Uprising. It was a time of, of brutal attacks and murders. And I don't know the exact words that J.W. used to answer his friends that day at the Little Rock Airport. But I can read you this quote from an article he wrote. Just how long we can continue our work 
here is a question that cannot be answered. We have the present. God help us to work while it is yet day. And less than a week after returning to the Congo, the Tuckers saw that their village was captured by rebels. And they were cut off from communication with the outside world. For over two months, he and his wife were under house arrest. No word reached the U.S. until an escapee brought the word that the missionaries were alive and well, though under house arrest. All the white people in the area were held as captives. Apparently, they were being used as bargaining chips. J.W. Tucker was among a group of Europeans and Americans who were being held in the Catholic mission. His wife wrote, they took Jay, not only because he was an American, but because he was a missionary. And although he was isolated from friends and family, his letters showed little concern for himself but much for his family in his Christian testimony. Jay wrote, do keep praying that I can be a blessing to the people here. Even though there is not much chance to testify openly, I do have a chance to drop a word now and then for him. May he bless and use even the smallest effort. In another letter he wrote, it's so wonderful to know that our times are in his hands. I really need nothing more that for the present except the assurance of his presence. J.W. Tucker, he was beaten to death by rebels on Thanksgiving Day. November 24th, 1964. One day before the paratroopers arrived in Azero to rescue the rest of the captives. And it was reported that his beating took 45 minutes. One stroke at a time. With each stroke coming after his groaning from the previous stroke had finally ended. It was a brutal, vicious death. And that's the story of J.W. Tucker, a man who gave his life for the gospel. A man who was so consumed with love for the people of Congo that he returned knowing the risk and knowing the danger. J.W. was the first and is still the only Assemblies of God world missionary killed for the sake of the gospel. <clears throat> it's a sad story. Listening to that story this morning, you might be thinking, what a sad and tragic waste of a life. He never accomplished his purpose, never got to do what God had called him to do. Well, today, I want to tell you the rest of the story. The answer to those questions and the reason why we have to be involved in the Congo, the words of First John, three verses that give us our mission, three verses that describe our response of love. First John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. No doubt, this was the ultimate demonstration of love. That's how we know what love is. Jesus Christ died for us, for you and for me. And our response to that love, according to John, it's found in the second half of 1 John 3.16. And we ought to lay down our lives 
for our brothers. That's what J.W. Tucker did. He laid down his life. He died so that other people a world away might hear and know the immeasurable love of Jesus. That's what love does. Listen to me. Love sacrifices. You know, from time to time, I think I'm sacrificing. I give what's for me feels like a particularly big offering. Or, or I miss a family moment maybe because of my ministry. Or, or I have to face cruel, critical words that were intended to hurt. And when I think I'm sacrificing, I think of stories like the ones I have shared this morning. And I remember love sacrifices. My, my so-called sacrifice pales in comparison to what some have sacrificed for the cause of Christ. But hear me, love sacrifices. John says, the response of love is sacrifice. That's what love does. And then John gives us the second response of love. In verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? The picture John paints is one that should be familiar to you and me. We're enjoying the blessings of life living here in America, seeing the need somewhere else like the Congo or like Asia or like anywhere else in the world. And to not be touched by that need, well, John would challenge us. He'd say, that's not love. Something else love does, love shares. That's what J.W. Tucker and Edwin Zeman and Lillian Trasher did. They shared, they shared their lives. They shared the love of Jesus. They gave. Yet we hear the story of J.W. Tucker and we think, how could God allow that to happen? What a waste. What kind of impact would J.W. Tucker had if he had lived? After J.W. was beaten to death, the rebels put his body and several others in the back of a truck and they drove approximately 40 miles to throw the bodies into the Momokandi River. The bodies were thrown off, thrown off a bridge. They, they, were, they were eaten by crocodiles there in the river. And the people who live in that area are called the Mangabato people. A few months later, when the rebellion began calming down, an army colonel who'd been laid, led to Christ by J.W. Tucker returned to the river and to the Mangabato region, a region where the Assemblies of God didn't have any churches, where the gospel was yet to be preached. And the, this colonel went to share Christ, but he was rejected by the people. They, they didn't want to hear his message. And then the colonel discovered a belief held by the Mangabato people. An ancient tradition that says, if a man's blood flows in the Bamakandi River, you are obligated to hear his message. And he reminded the Mangabato people of JW and said, his blood flowed in the waters, and so you must hear his message. And as a result of JW Tucker's death and his body being thrown into the river, the message of the gospel was preached to the Mangabato people. Today, 
in that region where the Bamukande River flows. In those tiny jungle villages, there's not just one church, but 66 Assemblies of God churches. J.W. sacrificed. Was it in vain? Was his sharing of his life pointless? No. Because one man went, because one man gave. The Mangabato people know the love of Jesus. Love shares. The first church J.W. started in his era. It's now known as the J.W. Tucker Memorial Church. In, in the next 60 years since J.W. Tucker's death, that church has now planted over 200 other churches. J.W. Tucker's dream of reaching the Congo for Christ is coming true today because one man, consumed by the love of Christ, was willing to sacrifice and to share J.W.'s wife, Angeline, was met by the media when her plane landed and upon her, upon her safe return from Congo. And in her interview, she quoted this verse, John 12, 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. In a eulogy in Global Conquest magazine titled Love Summit Reach. J. Philip Hogan wrote, love taken to its limit means a life outpoured. For some, this becomes a total lifespan lived out day by day in giving, yielding, and sacrificing. For some, it may mean a sudden final investment. You know, when they killed J.W. Tucker, they thought they would destroy the church the work of God in Congo. Instead, that seed continues to produce fruit today. 1 John 3.18, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. John says, in essence, it's not enough to talk about love. Real love does something. And that's what I want to tell you today. Love acts one year after his death, J.W. Tucker's widow wrote, God will not forget. Neither must we forget that we are committed there. We must assume our responsibility and continue to spread the gospel until Jesus comes. You know, in Lafayette at River City Church, where I am in the lead pastor, I challenge my own church twice a year to make a commitment to missions. What, what you'll what you give in, in that way, it, it, it reaches people around the world. The same is true here. My wife, Tracy, and I, we give a growing amount to missions every six months. Every time that we receive those faith promises, we raise the amount that we make ourselves. Every time that we have that change. If you look at it over the course of a year, it's a lot of money. But we want our finances to match God's priorities. Our mission's contribution is bigger than any payment in our life except our house payment. We just can't see paying more for a car or cable TV 
or high-speed internet, then we pay to advance the message of Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. We just want to find balance. If we want something nice and new, that's great. But it's after we have given our mission's commitment that we'll get it. We want our priorities to reflect his priority. Now, I understand you, you might not be able to start where we are. But I am asking you to join me in giving more in 2023 and 2024 than you gave in previous years. Some of you have never made a commitment to mission. I want to challenge you to start. I suggest you start at $5 a week. It's less than the price of a latte at Starbucks. But I challenge you, don't pay more for cable TV or lattes than you give to reach the world. Many of you have been giving a certain amount. I want to ask you today, would you consider giving one more dollar per week? That would significantly raise the amount that Glad Tidings gives to missions. If you've seen an increase in income because of inflation, it's time to raise your commitment to missions. With your missions giving, your regular giving is what keeps missionaries on the field. Glad Tidings also uses this money for for other kinds of projects. Listen, what's my goal for you? What, what dollar amount am I looking for? I don't have one. Instead, my goal would be that every single person in the Glad Tidings family gives something to missions on a regular basis because listen, love gives it all. Love lays down its life for others. Would you pray with me today? Let's look to God. Father, we, we thank you today for a priceless treasure of love from you in Jesus Christ. We recognize that he gave it all. We, we recognize that, that he came and did something we could never repay. And today you're inviting us to give sacrificially out of our own lives. You're inviting us not just to love with word or tongue, but with action, with sacrifice of our own. And so today, Lord, we're listening to you. We're listening to what your spirit would say to us. And we're believing that from the seed we put into the ground, you're going to Make life appear. Fruit. In terms of boys and girls, men and women throughout the world who will come to know you for eternity. Thank you, God, for what you've given for us. And may today we respond with, with audacious generosity. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Kingdom Builders is the avenue again in which um, 
our Glad Tidings churches accomplishes, sending missionaries to the mission field, planting churches, reaching out into our communities here, and also outreach globally, and then accomplishing projects. I would encourage you, if this is your home church, as you're leaving today, if you would pick up one of these, um, they are right on the left-hand side as you exit. These are our Kingdom Builders Guide for this year. If you turn to it, you can get to um, this page, and it'll tell you all the different projects and things that we are looking to do, the missionaries that we support, some of the things that we are looking to do over the course of this next year. Um, in this series, what we have looked at is the theme of it has been our reasonable service, and it's taken from Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and it says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I hope you're like me. Are, are you not astounded by God's love for you? I mean, when you really think of how far the links that he has went to to come to this earth, to die for our sins, to rescue us, to love us. You know, we've looked at that in this series. We saw that God searches for the lost. God's heart is for people who are far from him. He desires to seek and save the lost. He, he met us at our worst. He left comfort and he sacrificed for the sake of the beloved. And he demonstrated that by giving heaven's best. And how we respond to that reveals and shows a lot about our heart and about our life. And, and so what we find is this is that, uh, well, let's go to the next slide. Kingdom Builders is the vehicle that allows the church through the giving of offerings above the tithe to support the work of God and help expand the reach of the gospel in our communities, across the United States, and to every single part of the earth. Um, let's go to the next slide. This is our goal for this year. First of all, I just want to applaud you all. Um, our, our mission's goal from this last year was 24,500, and we have already blown that out of the water. So thank you. Thank you for your heart. Seriously, thank you for your generosity. We've seen God um, do amazing things in our midst this year. We, it's just my, my heart overflows. We've seen 44 different people come to either accept Jesus as their Savior or rededicate their lives to them just this year. 44. That's 44 parties thrown in heaven that Jesus and the angels celebrate as people moved from death to life. I love that. We saw 14 different people get baptized this year at Lake Placid, and we did it much earlier in the year, so we weren't freezing to death in the water. That was something your pastor was thankful for. Um, along with this missionary support, we're going to be sending out two new missionaries we're going to be taking on that have not yet made it to the field. They're raising support so they can get to the field to tell people about who Jesus is. $3,334 going towards planting churches. The church you're sitting in right now, the chair you're sitting in right now, we are here because of Kingdom Builders, because of the faithful giving of people to the, the commission of seeing churches be planted. How many of you know the world needs Jesus, but also how many of you know Indiana needs Jesus? Like, there is hundreds of thousands just within our reach here in the eight East Central Indiana counties that do not go to church anywhere. In fact, in Blackford County alone, 70% of our county does not go to church anywhere. So we're praying to make a difference, not just across the world, but here in our own backyard. 
4,810 to outreach. Allows us to do the various different things we do as a church to reach into our community to show and display the love of Jesus. This goes towards us being able to run Vacation Bible School, which this year we saw something to the tune of like 34 different kids raised their hand to say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. How awesome is that? And then 11,590 going towards projects. Things like uh, we're going to provide once again, an offering to Convoy of Hope to meet people in the midst of the most broken moment of their entire life, to help feed children every single week. We're going to be um, putting in an air conditioning unit in Lake Placid so that children don't die of heat in the middle of the summer camp. Amen? <laughs> so junior high boys don't stink too bad in the middle of a week long uh, of summer camp. It's going to be a lot of different things. And our goal this year is 29000 $500. And what I want you to do is just to start praying about your response. Um, Kingdom Builders, by its, by its own, it's, it's the vehicle by which we're wanting to say, God, I want to be a part of building your kingdom. And the response to the love you've put on display to me, my reasonable service, God, I want to use my life for the sake. So I want you to start praying right now about your response. What would God have you do? Because it's a, it's a form of love personified. Uh, I want you to think about it from this. I, I've often told this story. There's a moment where I went into Ball Hospital and I had the opportunity um, to speak with two young adult um, women who were in the middle of a heated discussion about faith with another person that was there. In fact, they had gotten so heated that when I walked up, all I was doing was asking what room number the patient I was going to see. They looked at me and they said, just tell her. And I said, tell her what? And they said, tell her there's no proof for the existence of God. And I was like, well, <laughs> I said, are you willing to have a conversation about that? And they said, excuse me? And I, and I said, I'm a pastor. And the lady behind the desk went, thank you, Jesus. Right? <laughs> um, and I've told that story often in regards to the importance of being used by God. But there's a part of that story that I want to tell I've never told before. When I was talking with those girls, at one point in time, they, they, they made a very um, telling statement. They're like, you know, well, we've met a lot of Christians, and they just seem angry, mean, judgmental. They had this version of the church that's been painted by the media. And I looked at them, and I asked them this question. I said, for the last 2,000 years... Who's been putting wells in Africa? Who's been starting orphanages? Who's been caring for moms who've gotten pregnant? Who across this world has provided adoption agencies and been the hands and feet? I'm like, it's been the church of Jesus Christ. Of people giving to see the world be changed. And I said, yeah. I've got a lot of atheist friends, and I don't know too many of them who are given to see those things be done. And they looked at me, and I said, that's because when the church lives as it should, love moves from its midst. It's love personified. Not all of us, you, you might be sitting here in a situation in this stage of your life where you can't give maybe nothing or, or hardly anything, but can I tell you, we can all do something, can't we? My own kids, I want my kids to be kingdom builders, not just mom and dad. We give our kids, they have to earn the ability to, to give money to BGMC to go towards missions. Last year, I, I want you to think back to when you were a kid. I remember thinking $5 was like a rich man's pocket, right? 
you know, you get a birthday card and then have a $5 bill and then you're just strutting around like, hey, look at me. I've got $5. <laughs> Last year, my, my daughter, she made um, some bracelets to go towards Convoy of Hope and she raised $600. If someone would have ever given me $600 as a kid, my mind would have been blown. That money went into her hand and faithfully and with joy went out of her hand to say, God, use it for your kingdom. I loved watching her heart to say, God, use me. Again, not all of us can do everything, but we can all do something. So what I invite you to do right now is I want you to just pray, to take a moment and say, God, you know, what can I or my family or me and my spouse or, or you know, what, what can we do for the sake of, of your kingdom. What can we do this year for Kingdom Builders? What we have here in just a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to invite you to come forward, all those who can. Um, if you're not physically able to come up front, please don't even worry about that. Right in the back, turn around, everybody say hi to Brandon. Say hi, Brandon. Brandon's waiting back there. He's got some magnets. And what we have here is magnets and some Sharpies. And we want you to take these home. And what I want you to do is I want you to pray today. And I want you just to be thinking and saying, okay, God, what over the course of this next year, either total or per week, what can I do as being a part of Kingdom Builders? Again, this is over and above the tithe saying, God, I want to use my finances, my resources for the sake of your kingdom. And then what I want you to do is I want you to write that on there and put this on your fridge. This is a magnet, so it'll stick real, real well. Um, the reason we decided to put it on your fridge is because we wanted it to be somewhere that you would see on a regular basis. And if you're anything like me, you're going to see it on a regular basis. <laughs> but it's a way to remind us saying, God, I want to use and leverage my life for the sake of your kingdom. So if, if you are like a glad tidings attendee, if this is your home church, we want to ask you to do this. If this is your first time here, do not feel like this is something that you have to or need to do by any stretch of the imagination. This is just something that was a church we get behind every single year because we want to be people who are building the kingdom of God. Amen? We want to be people seeing the light shine into the darkest of places. I want my life to be used for his kingdom. Every part of it, my words, my actions, my finances, I want it to reveal what matters to me. And so in just a moment, as the band plays, they're gonna play the song that we sang earlier, Gratitude. I love this song. This is a song that I typically start almost every single day with. It's like number one on my playlist because I need to remind my brain of how good my God is. Because life likes to try to get in the way and cause me to forget his faithfulness, his goodness, and all that he's done. And as I center my thoughts and I fix my eyes on Jesus, it changes things. We have a lot to be grateful for. Man, are we provided for. God has blessed us with more than we could ever possibly imagine. And I, I believe that as a church, we can do more this year. I told you we're sitting at about 44 um, people who have accepted Jesus. I'd like to see that go over 50 this year. I'd like to see more people come into the kingdom of God who are far from him. Would you join me this year in praying and saying, God, as we close out this year and move into next, use me. God, use my finances, use my life, use my voice, use every opportunity that comes across my path to be someone who's building the kingdom of God. 
God, I'm so grateful for all that you've done. I'm so thankful for many ways you've cared for me. And Lord, I want to give back, Lord, not begrudgingly, but cheerfully. Saying, God, would you use it for your kingdom? That's my heart prayer, and I pray that's the prayer of our church, that we would be people building the kingdom of God through missions, planting churches, outreach, doing various projects. So in just a moment, here's what we're going to just simply ask you to do. Um, If you would come to the front as they start singing this song, and if you want to grab one Sharpie and one magnet, one per family, we would ask, and take this home. I want you to, as we're singing, as we're worshiping, as we're praying, I want you to pray and simply say, God, I want you to put a number on my heart. Something that I believe that this year, God, with your help, and it's going to take faith maybe to reach it. God, maybe I want you to stretch me this year further than before. And then when you get home, I want you to write that number on it and put it on your fridge and pray. And every single day when you pass it by, say, God, help me. Help me reach it. God, bless me so that I can be a blessing to others. And let's this year be an incredible year where we see the kingdom of God built for the glory of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? And in just a second, I'm going to unleash you to come up here and grab your magnets and pins as we engage in worship. Father, I pray over this church. Lord, may we stand in faith. And may we say, God, I pray, would you stretch me this year? God, would you move in my heart? Would you use me and my family for the sake of your kingdom? And Lord, I pray that as we... Lord, give back to you. Lord, we would not do it to earn or gain your approval, but it would be visible fruit of what you've already done in the heart level. That as we realize how much you have loved, given to us, Lord, we would love and give back to you. And that through it, the mighty name of Jesus would be lifted high. We honor, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we come before you. Jesus, so thankful for all that you've done. The ways in which you've blessed us, you've loved us. And Lord, our hearts cry. The reasonable service, the response is to give of our lives, our words, our thoughts, our actions, every single bit of who we are. To see your name be made great and lifted high. Lord, would you use this church in the coming year to be a beacon of light in this community, but to make an impact that moves globally. That the name of Jesus would be lifted high. We give you thanks and praise. Mighty name of Jesus, amen. Next week, we start a brand new series and we are going to kick it off with a very important message. Um, It's a series between now and when this series finishes. It's a short series. It'll be the Advent Christmas season. How crazy is that to say, right? But we're going to look next week about the power of presence, the importance of meeting God in the midst of our broken moments in the caves of our life. We're going to look at the the life of King David and the life of Elijah and how they both had these two vital, pivotal moments in their life where they encountered the presence of God in the midst of their own chaos and how desperately we need the presence of God. We need that kind of power in the midst of our own pain. The reason I'm telling you this now is because more than likely there's someone in your life right now that you know that they need to hear that message. 
Maybe they're going through something, they're facing something that seems beyond them. They're in the midst of a season of life where it just feels like the pressure's coming in from all corners. Can I encourage you? Find a way short of doing something illegal to get them here. Find a way to, to say, hey, you know, come with me. I'll eat lunch with you. I'll do something. But, like, get them here so that they can hear the truth that God longs to meet us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our brokenness. And what we need more than anything in those moments is the presence of Jesus. So we're going to hear about that next week. I want to encourage you, bless you, pray that you have a phenomenal week. Let's go. And the good news of Jesus Christ, and let's make a, dip, a difference and an impact on this world for him.